Well, it's good to see you today, and I'm sorry we had to put Andrew to work. Uh, I know that was strenuous of him doing that, but uh, we appreciate him doing that. I'll tell you, that's a long way up them stairs. I'm going to tell you, I, I think it'd be easy to get down, though. I can miss that first one, and it'd be no problem getting down to the bottom, right? <laughs> How many of you are here yet? Say amen. All right, it's good to see you, man. It's good to have a house full of folks that uh, love the Lord and need the Lord. Amen. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. That song says it all. Amen. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 bridges the gap between Noah and Abraham. I want you to look at the last verse of chapter number 10, just a minute, and I'll read it for you. Verse 32 of chapter number 10. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generation in their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. That is self-explanatory of where we are. These are the families of Noah. Noah was one who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah and his family are the only folks that were saved from the flood. Eight souls. All of them got off the boat believing in God loving God, respecting God, appreciative of God. And the first thing Noah did was build an altar there and worship the Lord. Second thing he did was get drunk. You say, why would you bring that up? Because there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can take all the good that you do and put it on the scales, and it will not outweigh the bad that you are. The Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. Proven that fact that after the people got off the boat, Knowing God, loving God, appreciating God. But something has happened in chapter 11. The Bible says, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Sinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to now, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top shall reach unto the heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built him. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Just a thought. You remember before the flood, every imagination of the thought of man was evil. You remember that? I said, you remember that? Now, just because they got in the boat did not mean that they did not bring their nature with them. And just because maybe you're saved and you got in the boat, it does not mean that you still have that Adamic nature that's taking you everywhere you want to go. 
and it will fight every decision for Christ. So the Bible said, and go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. You know, that happens in my house a lot. She don't understand that I'm watching television when she's talking to me. She does not understand what a gracious guy I am and loving and great. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Let's pray for just a moment and we'll ask God's guidance and God's blessing today on every thought, every gesture, every word in Jesus' name. Our Father, today we thank you as we travel through the book of Genesis. And Lord, I think probably I've sinned been past here for 28 years and never preached or taught through this the foundational book. So, Lord, I pray for uh, freedom and liberty to preach, but I pray also that the Holy Spirit would guard in every single word and make sure that it's anointed of thee. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are glad you're saved? I've got great news for you who are not saved. Today you can be. Now that's what this service is all about. This service is not about our fancy buildings that we're still in debt for. This is not about how pretty your preacher is. What are you laughing about? This is not about how intelligent I am and, and how I can tell you about all the nations and the tribes and the individuals and Shem, Ham, and Japheth's descendants and where they went and how they established kingdoms and empires. Did you know that the first great empires of the world were Hamitic? That means they were Ham's descendants the Empire of Babylon, Assyria, Nineveh, Egypt, all of those are Ham's descendants for what that's worth. There's several generations has transpired since the flood. I enjoyed studying about the flood, but now when Noah got off the boat God has some directions for him. And what will happen today is your will will conflict with God's will. Your program, more than likely, will conflict with God's program. More than likely, the direction of your life will conflict with the direction that God has for your life. And that is what happens at the Tower of Babel. Please look in your Bible for God's directions. Genesis 8. Genesis 8 and verse number 17. Now this is what God told Noah. He wanted Noah, his descendants, and the human race to do. Verse 17, bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of the flesh, of the fat, both of fowl and cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. God's will for Noah and mankind is to go throughout the earth and replenish the earth. Notice chapter number 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, 
Go build you a city someplace, get satisfied, and throw you a 150-foot tower in the air to let everybody know how religious you are. Is that what that verse said? Are you getting the drift? And he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I guess they're going to do it from one place. Verse 7, the Bible said, And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, and bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. God commanded man to go into all the world and multiply and replenish the earth. That is God's divine plan for mankind when they got off the ark. But man has a different plan. Verse 1 of chapter 11, the Bible says, and we read it a little while, and the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it come to pass as they journeyed from, from the east. Some have said about 350 years has transpired since the flood to the time of the Tower of Babel. For 350 years, men have been nomadic. They've traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled. After 350 years, I suppose they got tired. Notice, and it came to pass, verse 2, came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Sinai and they dwelt there. They settled down. They have their own plans. They're making their own rules. They're doing their own thing. So what if God told us to go and replenish the earth? It's comfortable here between these two rivers. Flat land grass, beautiful, same temperature the year round, 110 degrees. It's comfortable. It's satisfying. It's not very demanding. So I'll think we'll just disobey God and throw God's plans out the window. And what I'll do, I'll begin to read books on secular humanism. I'll go to educational institutions that believes my daddy was a baboon swinging from a tree. He acted like it, but it does not mean he descended from them. As the commercial would say, we've come a long way, baby. So what if God said it? God is an understanding, patient, fatherly figure. He would not judge me because I want to build me a city. He would not be dissatisfied with me if I should uh, do my own thing. Well, I know God said go and replenish the whole earth. What's wrong with doing it from right here where it's comfortable, satisfying? Why? God would not be dissatisfied with me if I just broke a few of the rules. And so, with that attitude, the Bible says, and they said one to another. Not one mention 
of God in that verse. Not one prayer for direction or leadership. Go ahead and buy it. It's on sale. Nothing down. For 700 years. No payment for the first 10 years. After all, it's a blue light special. We'll not ask God about it. And they said, go to, let us. Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. Why should we use the rocks and the stones that God has already created? Why, if we use something that God created that we did not make with our own hands, God might get the credit for the tower. This is the quietest service we've had in a long time. Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. I see here in the text, if you'd allow me to, to say that I see an attitude that is casual toward God. Casual toward God. An attitude that would come to church and say, please give me three dollars worth of God. It don't take much to satisfy me when it comes to this God thing. My one service of the week is enough for me. Kind of like buying hairspray. A little dab will do you. Oh, I need help. Garrett, would you say amen? I mean it like you mean it. Amen, Just like your dad. <laughs> that would probably be a good sermon title in evangelism. A little dab will do you. And that was the attitude of the people in the plains between the two rivers. They'd forgotten all about the boat. They had some kind of remembrance probably of the flood. But it really was not important anymore. What was important was them. They had taken God off the pedestal and they'd climbed up there themselves. Now, no longer is it important what God wants. Now it's important as what makes us happy. What we're looking for is a church of our choice. Not a church of God's choice, but a church of our choice. And I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen, I've got some bad news for you. God is not for sale. You will not get him on the blue light special down at Kmart. Are you with me now just a little bit? You either obey God completely or you obey not at all. You are not doing God any favor by being a Sunday morning Christian. And these folks have now decided after about 350 years, and you say, how do you know it's 350 years? I don't. So that's why I know you don't, so I'll just say 350 years. <laughs> Let me talk to you for about 15 minutes 
on the construction of the tower, the congregation that gathered around the tower, the confusion of the tower. You say, man, that's longer than 15 minutes. I got another one. And the curse of the tower. If you will watch the text, the very thing that these people were trying to avoid is the very thing that God made them live. Don't you say, I'm not going to do this or that. Don't you say, I am going to do this or that. You better say, if God wills, I'll do this or that. You see, I just believe the Bible, and I believe God is a good God. I want to take a look now just a minute in verse 1 through 3. And I've got a great huge clock up there just in case you folk down here don't know it. And the folks in the balcony, I can't see them anyhow. The TV lights, I can't see them. I think I heard one snoring a while ago. So I think that's a good place to get a good, good, good morning rest. Wake up, Bobby. Notice now the construction of the tower. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found the plain in the land of Sinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them fairly. And they had brick for stone and slime for mortar. Why did not God say, they just built it out of brick and slime. Why did he put in there stone and mortar? I think he's wanting you and I to see this morning that the materials of the tower were nothing more, nothing less than a substitute for the real thing. An artificial tower, if you please. Brick and slime. That don't even sound good. Somebody said that the slime is asphalt. There's a lot of difference in my mind in slime and asphalt. Asphalt don't sound slimy. And slimy just sounds slimy. I don't think I'd want a religion that was built around being slimy. I don't think I'd want anything that identifies Christianity with a substitute for the real thing. But I'm afraid in the construction of the tire, tower, there were substitutes. They had substitute transfers by letter for transformation by the Spirit of God. I think maybe in the day in which we live, the artificial is putting on a show instead of having God's salvation. Uh, cutting your hair and putting on a suit and getting a holy tie that says Jesus saved, don't get you to heaven. The show is not what God's looking for. He's looking for salvation. I think that man-made stuff, dramas for dedication. Oh, somebody says, preacher, our church is not lively like them other churches. Yeah, and the cowboys don't play like uh, the team out west that won the Super Bowl either. The materials were phony. The materials were a substitute. Everything about this tower, this tower is a religious symbol, a 150-foot testimony of idols and heathenism and false religion standing out in the plain. The highest thing 
And the first thing you see in all the country is that huge 150 foot. How do you know it's 150 feet? I read that this morning. Not in the Bible. But how do you know it wasn't 150 feet? Now the towers that they're finding in Iraq and the ruins of those towers, all of them are 150 foot tall. Where do you think the idea for the pyramids came from? Isn't it amazing they had pyramids in South America before missionaries ever went to Egypt and before television, telephone, and telewoman ever became a reality? Somehow, heathenism and Satan worship was motivated long in the hearts of a fallen creature called man. And all this tower is is a religious testimony to heathen gods and false religions, a substitute for the real thing. Man trying to get to heaven without Jesus in the cross. Why is it that man will believe a lie before he'll believe the truth? Why is it we got 66 books of truth and we're always looking for something new? The construction of the tower was made out of false, phony substitutes. May I say to you, that didn't die when the tower fell. It's still around. The devil still knocks at our heart's door trying to give us an artificial. Notice the motives for the tower. Why did they build it? Could I please show you why, how that, why they built it? Look at verse number 4. They said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered, lest we do God's will, lest we do what God told us to do we better hurry and build this tower and build this city. If not, we might have to be obedient to God. Unless we be scattered. The motives for building the tower were selfishness. Rebellion against God. Why is it that we rebel against the simple commands of God? and the simple blessings and the simple promises of God, yet in our heart and in our person, there's always that spirit wanting to do right the opposite of what God says. We might not ought to throw rocks at the people at the Tower of Babel because they rebelled against God. They were selfish and pride fill their hearts. The motives, I think, why we do something is much more important than how we did something. It's not a question of how have you built these buildings. I have not. The question is why did we build all these buildings. The question is not how do you manpower the buses and have drivers and how, how that's not the question. The question is why do we have buses and nobody else does? It is not a question how do you corral all those bus kids? The question is why 
do we bother? The motives for building the tower was wrong to start with. Let's build us a name. Lest we do what God wants us to do and be scattered through the whole world. Preacher, how do you know I'm a hair cream Christian and just a little dab will do you? Well, how much have you got? Look in the mirror and tell God, how much of God do you want? Maybe you need to get you some slime and brick and start building you a tower. Since it's all about you anyhow. Maybe I need to build me a tower over at Brush and Ob. Maybe it's all about me instead of about God. Because you and I both have that nature that wants to rebel against God and rebel against what God wants us to do and, and lie to ourselves about God will understand. Well, I thought this would be pretty good, but it's kind of kind of dead. How do I know when pride comes into the pictures today? How, how do I know when pride comes knocking at my door? Well, maybe when you care more about what people think than God thinks, maybe you're kind of proud about where you are. If you don't think that temptation's hit, why don't you take my job for a week? Sit in my office and see who our church should discipline. See who is that re unreasonable bunch in the book of Thessalonians. Whom should I withdraw my fellowship from if they walk not according to the truth? You see, I'm afraid we all have a little brill cream in us. Well, please excuse me for preaching the truth. The construction of the tower, could I please spend, well, five minutes now, on the congregation at the tower. Who's there? Oh, uh, relations of Noah. Who's at the tower? Everybody who once knew God. Who's going to do the building? Oh, those folks that are descendants of those that got out of the boat. The Bible said Nimrod was there. You'll find him in verse number 10, chapter number 10. The Bible said that Nimrod was a great Andrew. No, a great hunter. He woke up just right then. But all of a sudden, going along and, and mentioning the names of the descendants of Ham and the descendants of Shem and the descendants of Japheth, and you get over there and the descendants of Ham, and down through there suddenly the Bible said, and Nimrod, a great hunter. No hunting before the flood. No eating meat before the flood. And they get off the boat. And one man whose name is Nimrod, defined as rebel. That's what Nimrod means, rebel. And he builded a city in rebellion against God. The first king 
the first potentate, the big hunter, the hero of all heroes, built a city. And it was Nimrod who authored the tower. Let us make brick, he said. Let us build a city. Let us. They were in direct disobedience to God. Instead of being nomadic, now they are settled down. They're happy. They're comfortable. God has a very unusual way to mess up our life of ease. God has a most unusual way to tear down our tower. Well, I don't understand they're building a tower. They ought to have enough sense. No, they can't build it to heaven. No, but on the top of it. They have worship services. And they practice astrology. Not astronomy. Astronomy is the study of the stars. Astrology is worshiping the stars and worshiping the creation more than the creator. Believing that stars get in a certain location and they have somewhat to do with your future. You know, fortune telling. You read it in the paper every day. God knows I'd hate to depend on the paper for the direction of my life. Somebody asked me, what star was you born under? I said, I think all of them. This is not God worship, so it must be the worship of someone else. The Tower of Babel was not built to worship God, but built to worship somebody else. God did not author it. God did not embrace it, and God judged it. Because the Tower was the satanic place of idol worship. Could I have an amen? Left God out of their lives. Said we'll do our own thing. Kind of reminds me of a fella I read about over in the book of Luke chapter number 12. Which said he sowed his seed and God blessed the sowing and the growing and the harvest. And the harvest was so plenteous that he had so many crops and so much wealth that he did not have room to bestow them. And the Bible says in Luke that he said in his heart, I will build me greater barns and I will put my stuff in it and then I'll eat and drink and be merry. But the next verse said, but God said, Thou fool, tonight thy soul will be required of thee. Then who will all those riches be? Make your fortune, but make it God's way. Make your fortune, and don't cut God out. Nothing wrong with having things. What's wrong is when things have us. And boy, are we not addicted to things. Just flat junk. We give our life for junk. 
You say, my car ain't junk. Wait a few years. Let some folk have it for two weeks and it'll look like junk. You say, my dog ain't junk. Better get off of that. All I can say is doggone. left God out of their lives. They built their own religion. And as a symbol and a testimony, 150 feet in the air, you saw the tower before you saw the city because they built it in the plains. Oh, I wish I had time. But notice verse 4 and 8. Verse 4 said, lest we be scattered. Let us make a city and let us make us a tower lest we be scattered. They built the tower. They built the city. They settled down and they were going to live happily ever after. And then verse 8 came along. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth. And they left off building. The thing they tried to get away from is the very thing that God did to them. Leaving God out of your religion is not the smartest thing you've ever done. The confusion, I don't have time to talk about it in verse through 9. And they were confused as to how they were going to make it to heaven. Verse 4, whose top may reach under the heaven. An attempt to get to heaven without the cross or Jesus Christ. An attempt to get to heaven under their own merit and with their own works. An attempt to get to heaven in direct rebellion against God. Am I right in what I'm saying? Then say amen, some of you guys. I'm talking about your tower. Say amen. They had a religion but not a relationship. That's the reason God said, I'm going to go make it a babble, a confusion. You can't understand babble. You see, I notice you've been babbling a lot late, preacher. Now, the problem is not that I babble. The problem is that you understand what I've been talking about. A confusion. There's a confusion in the world today about how to get to heaven. Hollywood's building their towers. The New Age movement is building their towers. New denominations are building their towers so they might reach to heaven. And I got news for you. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can build all the towers and you can be denominational or non-denominational or interdenomination or some other abomination, but you'll never get to heaven without Christ. Man, I didn't know it was that good. Please bear with me. There's confusion in our land today. Confusion about how to get to heaven. Confusion about marriage. Confusion about being politically correct. Confusion about who to vote for. There's just confusion everywhere. Confusion about churches and about church. We're so confused that 
We don't want to call it church, although it's church. We don't want our buildings to look churchy. We don't call it buildings and properties. It's a campus. We're confused. We don't want services that even looks like church. We want services that looks like a rock concert. We're confused about church, even is our design and our buildings no longer. We're not putting a steeple on top of ours. We don't want it to look churchy. Well, my God, why call it a church? Call it the local barn. Bring your hay with you. A confusion in churches, bless your heart. The buildings don't look like church and the services, you know, cannot resemble a church. And, uh, you know, they, uh, you think about it for just a little while and, you know, uh, uh, the convictions don't look like a church and uh, commitment don't look like a church. We're more committed to our stinking job than we are our church. Church is not important anymore. And dear God, we don't want preaching. Don't yell at me. It's churchy. Why even go to church if you don't want church? I'll guarantee you can get better music at Billy Bob's. But it'll cost you more than 10%. And if you don't want church, they dance a lot better in Billy Bob's than they do with a praise team. Most praise teams couldn't care a tune in a bucket. They don't sing parts, they just get up there and sing. Could I help you? They could have the same worship without saying one single word. Because the lyrics are no longer important, it's the beat. Hallelujah. There's a vast... Con- Preacher, this is the Sunday night message. Well, you won't be here. Because you're one of them real cream Christians. Just a little dab will do you. Well, this morning you're getting a whole stinking bottle. Why even call it church? We're confused. We're confused about the scriptures. And the battle is not between men, between the devil and the Holy Ghost. And it's not about King James or NIV or B-U-L-L. It's between the manuscripts. Which one? is God-inspired. Which one is printed for profit and which one is printed for salvation, sanctification, and glorification? Confusion. I'm done. The Tower of Babel was man's attempt to organize a religion and get to heaven on his own. But he cannot get to heaven without Jesus. It is not about a religion. It is about a relationship. Please don't miss that. In religion, man tries to discover God. 
but in a relationship, God reveals himself to man. Religion is something that you hold, but a relationship is something that holds you. <laughs> well, that now it's been turned to my call for a call. I really think I coughed pretty. That's the reason I did it. Religion is a philosophy of life. But a relation is life. Perhaps a religion, man reaches up to God through works. In a relationship, God reaches down to man through grace. Perhaps you're caught up in religion. You're hanging on. You're trying to do better. You want to see God. And in a religion, the only place you find God is at the great white throne judgment. And God says to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That's relation. Uh, that is religion. But in a relationship, God says, come unto me. All ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Perhaps your name is on our church roll. And you're steeped in religion and know nothing about a relationship. Today would be a good day to be obedient to the word of God when it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.